Welcome once again to Graceway Baptist Church and our Sunday School Hour. This is for July 23rd of uh, 2023. And um, we, we've got the title here, something that's not quite as uh, uh, biblical in terms of the actual vocabulary, but I think it gets the idea across. Uh, if it doesn't, forgive me, but I hope it helps us to understand kind of what... Uh, Paul is saying here, and the title is Galatia, You've Been Scammed. I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you or not, where you kind of fell for something, and then you found out later it wasn't everything that you thought it was or hoped it would be. And sometimes it's an innocent mistake. Sometimes it's just human error because we're all sinners. We're all imperfect. And then sometimes it was an intentional thing, and that really is what... Uh, gets to you. I kind of like uh, on my phone now when I get those things, and you probably do too, where it's labeled a number comes up that you don't recognize, which I tend not to answer those anyway. I figure if it's somebody that is real, they can leave a voicemail or shoot me a text or something. But uh, sometimes it says spam risk. And uh, I never answer those, of course because I don't really want to be scammed by anything. I don't want uh, something like that to happen. Have you ever had that happen? Uh, I know someone that just recently, they got scammed by uh, somebody purporting to be from their bank and having you know the right logo, the right information and all of that. And uh, they, um, well, they were scammed for about $3,500. Now, it ended up working out, and they got that money back, thankfully. But, uh, you know, there are all kinds of people that will tell you, we're here for this organization or this charity, or we're giving money to uh, a police fund or something like that. And you have no way of knowing whether they're really legitimate, uh, but they present themselves as being real, as being compassionate, as being caring. And they uh, kind of have a way of making you feel guilty if you don't give or join in on what they're doing. And uh, sadly, in the world in which we live, so many of those things just end up being uh, scams. Sometimes it happens even in the world of religion. There are people who uh, purport to be good people, people that love the Lord Jesus and that type of thing, and it turns out that it was a scam. Well, Jesus warned us about that. He said, beware of wolves in what? Sheep's clothing. Uh, that can mean a couple of things, depending on how you uh, look at it. It could mean a wolf disguised as a sheep. That's a little bit difficult to pull off. Or sheep's clothing could literally mean clothing made from sheep. In other words, who would wear the, uh, the wool clothing that comes from the sheep? Uh, the shepherd. And what uh, I think Jesus is saying there is be careful, not just of false believers who are wolves dressed up in wool trying to fool us, but even worse, what about the shepherds who purport to be from God and yet they're not? They're, wear they're wolves in sheep's clothing. Um, that's a way of saying watch out for those who are going to scam you. Watch out for those who are going to lead you astray. Well, um, you can see by the introduction, that's where we're going 
with uh, these particular verses that we're looking at today. We're looking at Galatians 3, verses 1 through 9, covering a little bit more territory, but we've got to get the whole paragraph in here. And so um, let me get caught up here to the right place. And it says, chapter 3, verse 1, Oh, foolish Galatians. Well, that'll endear you, won't it? You get a letter like that that says basically, hey, stupid. You know, that's, uh, but Paul is really uh, concerned about them and he wants to grab their attention. I think he probably did. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has, here's another word, bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. That was the main message, right? Verse 2, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit or by the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered, that means experienced, so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Was it real or not? Verse 5, Therefore he, meaning God, who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, now, or no, pardon me, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who were of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Now, did you catch the contrast? Spirit, flesh, spirit, flesh. And when we think about the spirit, we think about a work of God. And when we think about the flesh, we think about something that we perform or that we do. So how were you saved? How did you receive? That's, that's uh, receiving the spirit is a euphemism for getting saved. That's what happens when you get saved. You're indwelt by the Spirit of God. Uh, Romans 8 says, If any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In other words, there are no Christians who have the Spirit and others who don't have the Spirit, like some charismatic teaching today. Uh, we all receive the Spirit at the moment that we're saved or we're not saved. Now, Paul says to the Galatians, How did that happen? How did that happen? Um, let's, ask it, let's ask it this way. Did it happen the moment that you repented of your sins and put your faith and trust totally in Jesus Christ as the payment in full for all of your sins, past, present, and future, and you surrendered him, uh, to him as Lord? Or did it happen, since we're talking about circumcision, when you had the surgery? When did the Spirit come upon you? When did the miracle of new birth take place? Okay, you see that? That's kind of where he's going. And he's saying, and even those people who claim to say, well, we're doing it the Jewish way, we're doing it the Bible way, we're doing it Abraham's way. 
And Paul is devastating in his denunciation of them of going all the way back to the father of the Jews, going back to Abraham, that even with Abraham, it says in the Old Testament, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God and God said, I'm going to credit you with salvation, not because of your works, but because of your faith. And again, let's not get the cart before the horse. There are good works in Christianity and we are to obey God. He deserves that, but we do it as a result of salvation, not as the cause of salvation. So they have been scammed. Notice those words, foolish, bewitched, those kind of things. So uh, let's talk about that. Number one, um, we've kind of got the same introduction to each point uh, that says abandoning or adding to the gospel. Both of those things are bad. You can abandon it and be wrong and you can add to it and be just as wrong. Okay, but we're going to look at a different aspect of it and we're going to say abandoning or adding to the gospel foolish and demonic. Now, we've got to get both of those things in here. This is not the Spirit of God that is doing this. This is not well-intentioned work to clarify things and to be helpful and to get the Gentiles to really, really be assured of their salvation. Uh, no, it's not that. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, that doesn't sound good, does it, that you should not obey the truth. Now, notice Paul is saying that when you believe the Judaizers, you're not enhancing anything. You're not fixing anything. You are not obeying the truth. You're being sinful and you're being disobedient. Before whose eyes Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. You remember Paul said, I believe it was in Corinth, that uh, we knew nothing among you or preached nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. That's the main issue. Who was Jesus? How did he live? And because of who he was and how he lived, he, was he qualified to be the sacrifice? How was he sacrificed on the cross? And it encompasses the whole gospel. And so uh, Paul, as he just told us, as we saw last week, when you add anything to the gospel, you make the cross of Christ to be nothing. And Paul is saying, how can you ever say that? How can you look at the sinless Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, dying on the cross, taking the wrath of God for us, and then say, ah, nah, I'll, I'll trust in this surgery instead. That doesn't even make any sense. Obviously, Christ, the greater person, doing the greater sacrifice and bearing the greatest load of sin, the weight of sin, the wrath of God, that's where our faith has to be. But the Galatians were like uh, looking at something. Um, somebody said one time, you don't steal a Volkswagen when you've got a Rolls Royce in the garage. Um, you know, maybe there are some exceptions to that, but as a general rule, that doesn't happen. You don't find people that are very wealthy going out and stealing uh, a car that is not worth near as much. Um, there would be something wrong with that picture. And that's kind of what's happening here. You've got the magnificent, beautiful, perfect, almighty son of God, God in human flesh, 
who says, I will receive you and I will pay for your sin debt as opposed to going through a ritual that is something that has no ability to save you? Why would you do that? And Paul says two things, because you've been fooled and because you've been bewitched. There's a wisdom aspect to this or lack of wisdom aspect. And then there is a demonic aspect as we think about that word um, bewitched. So when we think about foolish, the Galatians have been scammed. They have been fooled. They have been deceived. Nobody likes to think of themselves as being tricked. We don't like to think of ourselves as being scammed. I knew it all the time. Well, I, I saw through it or I should have known better. Almost everybody says that. Something didn't seem right, they always say. But that really doesn't matter if you fell for it and if you lost your money or whatever it might be, but especially if you were to lose your soul. Standing before the Lord and going, I thought there was something squirrely about those guys from Jerusalem. Isn't going to cut it if you put your faith in uh, your human works in addition to Christ. And sadly, it was easily done. And that's what bewilders Paul in spite of the clarity of the true gospel. How are you so soon or probably better to understand so easily, easily led from truth into error? But this just is bewildering to Paul. How do you do that? How could it be that after we poured our lives into you and truth into you and you could just, oh, oh well, walk away. You know, I wonder that. How could it be that after we work so hard to present the truth of the Word of God, whether it's in Sunday school or whether it's from the pulpit here, and yet there are people over the years that have just kind of walked away from it, people that were here under Papa Sam as well as under me who walk away to something that is completely wrong or false. How do you do that? And it's grieving to know that they can do it so easily and go, oh, oh well, I'll do this now. I'll believe this now. Uh, you probably know some people who have done the same thing. How in the world? And it is breaking Paul's heart because it's not right, it's not good, and it is uh, not something that uh, assures you of their salvation. It makes you question whether they really came to know the Lord or not. Now, sadly, this was easily done in spite of the clarity of the gospel. It's still happening today. Notice the word bewitched. And that literally means charmed by appealing to the emotions. And it has a demonic and supernatural aspect to it. How easily people are led away by, well, I felt something. I know it had to be God because I felt something. Or some people, uh, I remember a person in our church, I won't say who they were. They married somebody because they said it had to have been the sovereignty of God because I wasn't looking for them. They weren't looking for me, but they liked the same things I liked and they had been the same places I had been and all of that. And I remember looking at him and saying, don't do this. Because if I were the devil, all I would do is take your belief in the sovereignty of God, set up a series of coincidences and then you'd fall for it every time. We are called to be wise, folks. We are called to have wisdom. Read the book of Proverbs and read in your New Testament about all of this. And so the idea of being charmed, appealing to the emotions and having this, it must be God. You know, I felt it was God. I 
heard this voice, I saw this vision, whatever it is, we always have to go back to the scripture, always back to the scripture. We're going to mess it up no matter what we do. And so Paul is shocked and dismayed, and we might add hurt at how easily or quickly they were swayed from this. Okay, does that make sense? I hope so. Number two, abandoning or adding to the gospel. Notice this, Paul brings up spirit or flesh. It can't be both. They can't both be right. It's either from God or it's from the enemy, especially when it comes to issues like this. The Holy Spirit is never going to contradict the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is never going to go against what God has revealed. But these are two things that can't possibly both be right. And so he says in verse 2 through 4, This I only want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? or by the hearing of faith. When did the Holy Spirit come upon you? What did the Holy Spirit do? Jesus said the Spirit of God would guide you into all truth when he comes, right? Well, so what is he doing now? Guiding you into truth or guiding you into error? And here's the other thing. When did the Holy Spirit give you faith and bring you to embrace Christ? At the point of hearing the gospel and believing the gospel and surrendering to it? Or at the point of picking up the knife, so to speak? And so he says, uh, when did you receive the Spirit? By works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Verse 3, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? So what is it that sanctifies you? Oh yeah, the Spirit did His work and we trusted Christ, but now it's something that we have to do and something that we perform ourselves that really kicks it in, that really makes it happen. That's ridiculous and that's contrary to everything that the Word of God teaches. Okay? Are you or have you suffered or experienced so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain. And it's as if Paul is calling them back, remember, remember where you were and remember what it was like the first time you heard the gospel of Christ and you abandoned your belief in Zeus and all of the other gods and goddesses and you said, Christos uh, es curios, Jesus is Lord. And you surrendered to him to follow him and he gave you eternal life. Was that empty? Was that a nothing? Look back on all of that and what happened? Did that happen only when you did what the Judaizers said or did that happen when you did what Paul called you to do through the gospel? That was from the Spirit of God. And so to um, think about this, it's ludicrous to think that salvation is begun by the Holy Spirit but that's all he could do, and now you've got to finish it, and you've got to secure it. That doesn't make any sense. And no one is saved apart from the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it is a spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. That's in John 6, 63. Furthermore, Jesus says, no one can come to me except the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. John 6, 44. In other words, Jesus didn't say, 
Now you're going to be drawn by the spirit, by the father. And then you've got some things you have to do to seal the deal, to really make it real, to make it happen. He didn't say that at all. I will raise up those who are drawn by the father. That reinforces what Paul says, or Paul reinforces what Jesus said, however you want to look at it. How about this one? And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. John 16, verse 8, speaking about the work of the Holy Spirit. He convicts us and he saves us. And he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Titus 3, verse 5. It's God. It's God. It's God. We've got to understand that it is not us. We couldn't do it to begin with, and we can't finish it up. It's all the work of God. We're justified by grace through faith. We are sanctified by grace through faith. And for eternity, we'll be glorified living in heaven. Every second we're in heaven for eternity will be by his grace through faith. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so every believer receives the spirit at salvation. And um, he says, you, however, are not, that's why he says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Romans 8, 9. So do you have the Holy Spirit? Did the Holy Spirit draw you? Did he convict you of sin? Did he convince you that the gospel was true so that you put your faith and trust in Christ? Did he give you that faith to believe as Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says? And have you trusted that Christ was raised from the dead and um, is seated at the right hand of God the Father and is Lord of all? Now, how did that happen? Is that flesh? Or is that spirit? Because if it's flesh, it means you came up with it, that you were smart enough to believe it, that you got it when so many other people don't. Or is it the work of the spirit? And if it's the work of the spirit, then it's totally of the spirit. See what he's saying? Number three, abandoning or adding to the gospel. Scripture or speculation. Now that's really all it is. It's either from the word of God or it's just human speculation. Do you really want to trust in somebody's speculative thought and reasoning? Do you really want to put your faith in that? The Bible has been proven over and over and over for thousands of years to be true in the way that it is preserved, in the way that it, uh, its promises are true. Think about every time I, I just been to Israel not too long ago, and it's just amazing that every time an archaeologist turns a shovel full of dirt over, the Bible is confirmed. There's not been anything archaeologically that has disproven the Bible. Uh, in fact, it's been just the contrary for years. People would uh, make fun of the Bible. Hittites, there are no such thing as Hittites, no historical evidence for the Hittites. And then one day, as they were in an archaeological dig, they found this uh, uh, carved in stone record from thousands of years ago about the Hittites and the king of the Hittites. And so they had to eat their words. And it happens 
over and over and over again. This book is a miraculous book. And everybody that has come to believe the Bible has found that Jesus Christ does exactly what he says and that the words of scripture is true. Every word of God, the psalmist says, is pure. And the uh, law of the Lord, it says, is perfect. And, um, you know, it's converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are pure, making wise the simple. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Think about all the things that we are told about the word of God. Uh, We're told in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is inspired or breathed, they all neustos, breathed, God breathed, and they're profitable. And so uh, we trust the word of God and it always proves itself to be true. So what are you going to do? Somebody says, an angel came to me. I saw these gold plates and I don't have them anymore. I don't know what happened to them, but I put on a special pair of spectacles and I was able to translate them. And so here it is. And he hands you something in his writing and uh, something that he can't confirm. He and you can't prove and he can't prove and he doesn't have any of the original plates that he had or even the spectacles that he used and yet you're supposed to believe that and put your trust in that that's the whole foundation for the LDS church with Joseph Smith and it goes on and on and on with so many other things and so um, when we think about this flesh or the spirit or scripture or speculation basically it says in verse 5 therefore He who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And then what does Paul appeal to to back that up? Centuries old scripture that uh, all of the Jews, especially those Judaizers would know. He says, as Abraham, quote, believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, unquote. Now, Paul's gospel is also taught in the Old Testament. There have never been two ways of salvation, not an Old Testament way, not a New Testament way, not a Jewish way and a Gentile way. It's always by grace through faith, always by grace through faith. And you can find that in the Old Testament. And again, we've mentioned this almost every week. Read Isaiah 53. Could it be any more clear how logically all of this theologically fits together, both in the Old and the New Testament? It's not disjointed. It's not weird. It doesn't contradict, but it fits together. God has always planned to pay for man's sin through the sacrifice of his own son. And that's why you find in Genesis chapter 3, the proto-euangelion, the pre-gospel thing, where God says to Eve that um, you are going to have a child that is going to crush the head of the serpent. Now, Eve thought it was going to be one of her immediate children, and it wasn't, but it was a picture of God coming in human flesh Years and years later, but he did it. He did it according to his promise. And according to Isaiah 53 and all of those verses in the Old Testament that prophesy of Christ, all fulfilled, and he did it on the cross of Calvary. He crushed the serpent's head. And so we put our faith in that 
because it fits together with even the Old Testament scripture. And this is why I take such offense to somebody like Andy Stanley, who says that we've got to unhitch from the Old Testament. No, we need to learn the Old Testament and see how the New Testament is backed up by the teachings of the Old Testament and now how God's plan of redemption and salvation all comes together with the Old and the New Testament. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. That's how we get it to make sense. So notice that obedience didn't produce faith, but faith produced obedience. It's always been that way, always will be that way. God doesn't save us because we're worthy, because we obeyed, because we did that. We obey because of the work of God. And the doctrine of sovereign grace and election, it doesn't give us a reason to strut and look down our nose at the world because there but for the grace of God go I. What it does is it tells us why we believe the gospel, why it made sense. Not because we were smart, because Romans 3 says no one understands. Not because we were any better because the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. So why is it that you heard the gospel and you believed? And it's because of the work of the Spirit of God in your life due to the sovereign grace of God. Number four, that ought to humble you, by the way. That ought to humble you. And it also ought to encourage you when you go out and witness. If you're thinking that you've got to go out and witness and you've got to do a great persuasive sales job, you've got to win the argument so they'll come in. Well, you're barking up the wrong tree. That's never been the way. It's the spirit of God's job to draw people unto the father. And so we just plant seeds. We just water seeds. But as Paul said, he that plants is nothing. He that waters is nothing. It's God who gives the increase. Now, granted, I would like to be on the harvesting end, wouldn't you? And I pray for that. But nonetheless, we must be faithful whether we're planting, whether we're watering, and even if somebody else reaps a harvest, that's okay. We're not competitors with anybody. That's the work of the Spirit of God. Number four, abandoning or adding to the gospel. Salvation for Jews only or for all races. Boy, this seems to come up just about every week and every part of Galatians. What are we doing here? It seems that the Judaizers are saying God is only interested in the Jews. He's only interested in our kind of people. We don't want those uh, other kind of people there. They're not like us. And it's got to be grieving to the heart of God when the seeker-sensitive movement, the model of church growth that has made so many huge megachurches across our land and in our own city, basically says, find a target audience that you want to reach and gear the music and the preaching and everything you do around that. You can't do it with a scattergun approach. Well, it's interesting. The Bible tells us we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to white people, to black people, to Jews, to Gentiles. No, it says every creature. And so it seems to be this racially motivated thing. The Judaizers were saying, you can't be saved unless you're like us. You can't be saved unless you actually change what you are and become one of us. 
And uh, can you imagine? That's why it must grieve the heart of God when people in a church see somebody walk in. They've got all kinds of colors of hair and they've got tattoos all over them and they go, what are they doing here? Well, what a better place for them to be than here in the church hearing the Word of God. We should welcome lost people with open arms because we want them to know us. We want to build a relationship with them and we want them to hear the Word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But see, these Judaizers were demanding, you must become like one of us or you can't even be saved. Now that person comes into uh, our doors and maybe they were, I I led a guy to the Lord one time Uh, when I was a youth director, we called him then, a youth minister, and uh, he had just been out in the church parking lot smoking marijuana, and he trusted Christ. You say, was it real? Well, it's only been about 40 years, and he's serving the Lord now. He's a pastor of a local church, in fact. He loves the Lord and that type of thing. We want those people to come, and we want them to trust Christ and hear the gospel. Now, will they change? Yeah. To some degree, they may not change who they are. Their personality may not change, but they learn what's of God and what's not of God. They may still be an extrovert or they may still be a shy introvert, but they learn how to overcome those things and they learn how to be a witness for Christ. They learn how not to stumble other people, but that's not in order to get saved. See, these Judaizers are saying, get circumcised in order to be saved. You've got to change and become acceptable to God. Then you can be saved. But just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. You see, we don't have to clean up before we come to the Lord. We come to the Lord and he by the spirit of God and the washing of the word cleans us up. So verse seven, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. In other words, there are a lot of people that are racially sons of Abraham. They carry his DNA, but they're not spiritual, real sons of Abraham because they don't have faith in what Abraham believed in. Verse eight, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify not Gentiles who became Jews, but just Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, in you, all the nations, the non-Jewish nations, the Gentile nations, the pagan nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Notice what Paul is saying here. If you really want to be like Abraham, it's not a matter of cutting yourself. It's not a matter of being uh, or becoming what other people say you need to be. It's a matter of believing in the same God that Abraham believed in and getting your righteousness by faith in God, not by your human performance. And that's what happens. When we trust Christ, we receive his righteousness. Think of that, his perfect righteousness, and he takes our sin and nails it to the cross. So Paul refers to God's promises to Abraham in Genesis twenty-two eighteen, and in your offspring, all the nations uh, of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now, if Gentiles and nations become Jews, 
then they would be a part of Israel and they wouldn't be anything else. For example, Ruth, the Moabite woman, became a Jew, King David's great-grandmother. She converted. Your God, she said to Naomi, shall be my God, your people, my people. And even though she was formerly a Moabitess, she is now a Jew. Well, that is not the call of the New Testament. You guys come over here and leave your nation and your gods and then come over here and be a part of Israel and a part of our God. No, you are a Gentile. Be a Gentile for the glory of God. Turn from your sin, repent of your sin, trust Christ and be a saved Gentile, just like we are now. And so... uh, this, this is what he keeps bringing up. If you're going to make them Jews, then they're no longer Gentiles. What good did the promise do to do that? So the true mark of Abraham is faith, not physical circumcision. And by the way, Paul talked about having a circumcision of the heart, having your heart changed and marked off as a child of God. And so those who are lost always put confidence in the flesh, always. And uh, I'm good enough. I've done enough. I've done the right rituals. I've done them the right way. And I have uh, attained, uh, what did I say? Yeah, I have abstained, that, uh, sorry, from the bad things. And I associate with the proper groups, the right people, all of those kind of things. That's always the mark of a lost person. Always. That's what they do. And that's always where they go. However, those who are saved have no confidence in the flesh and they trust only in Jesus Christ and have full confidence in him. Philippians chapter three, verse three, and we're done, says, for we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And what is he talking about? Just as circumcision would physically mark off somebody as a Jew. God says, I look on the heart and I take your heart and the circumcision of the heart means I mark it off as my own. This person belongs to me. And that's why it's wonderful that God looks upon the heart, not on the outward works, because some of these people like the Judaizers, they may look better on the outside than we do. But when God looks at us on the heart, he sees a heart that has been marked off for him, that has been cleansed by him, changed by him for his glory. And he accepts us on the basis of what he has done in us. Is that clear? I hope so. Oh, I hope so. Take it and pray over it and look at it and make sure you hammer it home that uh, it's either by the spirit or it's by the flesh. And if it's by the flesh, then it's not salvation. No matter how it feels, no matter what you think, no matter what someone said, no matter what you've experienced. But if it is by the spirit, it is of God and it is salvation and it is eternal and you are secure in his hands, no matter what anyone said. So don't be a fool and don't let somebody bewitch you and charm you and appeal to your emotions and pull you away from the truth. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for your time and thank you for uh, your study and your investment in all of this, whether you're watching it to keep up with your class or whether you are a teacher, may the Lord bless you and we will see you again this next week.